Hello and welcome to season three, episode 16 of Dualistic Unity. I am here now with fewer and fewer expectations of myself and reality every single day. And I am totally unprepared. And I will admit that right off the bat. I just got back from a weekend vacation where I did nothing, nothing except be where I was. I didn't think about dualistic unity. I didn't think about Ray. I didn't think about anything that had to happen outside of the moment that I was in. It was fantastic. And I'm still riding that wave right now. So I have no expectations of today's episode. I don't know where we're going to go. We did have a guest that was supposed to be joining us today, but he won't be because he unfortunately got sick. And so we will see him in a couple of weeks. But as of right now, we are just going to run this episode on the fly, see where it goes and see what our awareness digs up. Uh, two quick announcements, of course. The quote contest is still going on. If you have a favorite quote from any episode of the Dualistic Unity podcast, visit dualisticunity.com. Click the button on the homepage to access the contest form. Just enter the details of the episode and, of course, the quote itself. And you'll be in the running for the contest in November, where you can win some free Dualistic Unity merch, like a hoodie or a t-shirt or a tote bag. The second announcement is the retreat. Of course, we're getting closer and closer and closer to it. Now it's less than a month away. I've spoken to our massage therapist. I've spoken to our chef. I've spoken to a few of the people who will be joining us in that week, like our classical guitar player. Everything is set to go. We do have three tickets left, however, and those three tickets are for double bets. So if you would like to come alone, you can come alone. If you would like to bring a guest with you to share that bet, the ticket price is exactly the same. The meals are included. So it doesn't matter if it's one or two people, the ticket is the same. So if you'd like to come alone or bring a guest, we would love to see you. If you do buy your ticket in the next two weeks, you will get more of a say as to what's going to be on our menu because the chef is finalizing those details now. That is it for the announcements. We are ready to go. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. Admittedly, we've gotten into a few subjects that I tend to avoid because they're not really in my wheelhouse in terms of familiarity, or at the very least, I have a general and passing interest rather than any expertise. And I'm specifically talking about the science-based episodes that we've been covering in the last two community topics. No, in community topics eight and 10, we were talking about the double slit experiment. And then in the last community topics, we were talking about the fact that the universe is not locally real. So that's been a lot of fun to get into. And we've had a lot of people get back to us and say, I'm really glad you're covering this. So I just wanted to say very quickly, so are we. I'm glad you're getting something out of it. If anybody has any questions or feedback, anybody who is more experienced in science, of course, we would love to hear from you because this is a topic that I'm very interested in, but admittedly, just getting my feet wet. Yeah, likewise, I have very little scientific expertise, if any, uh, arguably zero scientific expertise besides what I read and, and watch on YouTube, primarily watch on YouTube. I don't read much. It's mostly just YouTube videos. But yeah, man, I'm feeling like very relaxed today. Um, I know we were supposed to have a guest and I was doing some prep for that. And then he texted me, wasn't going to be able to make it. And so I was like, all right, let's just see where this episode goes because yeah, there is, I think it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks since we haven't, or at least a couple episodes since we haven't had a guest and it's kind of nice coming into these episodes, not really planning on talking about anything. That being said, I had a pretty fucking jarring experience this weekend. So figured we could just start here i i honestly i feel like i'm 
kind of like on mushrooms or something. I promise I'm not on mushrooms, but I just feel like very relaxed right now. Um, so anyway, what better time to discuss this situation than start the episode? Cause I'm sure it'll go in all different sorts of directions. Um, so I'm in Costa Rica by myself and staying in Tamarindo. It's a smaller beach town, uh, pretty decent nightlife. And this weekend I went out on Friday. Uh, there were two guys I met, super nice dudes uh, from Texas um, that I was out with beforehand uh, with another group of people. They wanted to go to some other bars. We went to some other bars. Um, we ended up going to this, it was kind of like a nightclub, uh, but it was outdoor on a rooftop. And so it's, it's starting to get a little bit more crowded. It's probably like 10 or 11 PM at this point. And I usually, when I go to a bar, I just like, I like wandering around by myself, talking to people, meeting new people and, uh, met two girls and, Basically, was like dancing with them for a bit, talking to them. Uh, we went and got a drink, got some shots, and that's pretty much the last thing I remember from that night. And it wasn't that I was overly hammered at that point. Like, I very much had my wits about me. I remember very clearly talking to them, who they were, what they looked like, who I was with, what the bar looked like, and everything took those shots and long story short, I think they were roofied. I pretty much know they were roofied. And the next thing I knew I was sitting on a chair by myself in the middle of the dance floor on the roof of this bar in broad daylight at like 8am. So from 11, 12, 11pm, 12am to whatever it was, seven, eight, nine AM sun was shining. No re recollection whatsoever. I wake up, I come to, I'm still very much out of it. Still definitely on whatever drugs that were put in these drinks. I don't know who did it, their intentions, what their plan was whatsoever. And I was very lucky Obviously, uh, I came away from it relatively unscathed. The only thing that was missing was my credit and debit card. And there was only one charge on my credit card for some random thing in Brazil for like 230 bucks. Talked to my credit card company. They're like, yeah, that's obviously fraud. So like that's void. So basically like no negative things came of it besides me getting drugged obviously and and it was a very difficult walk home i was telling ray before this like i left that bar and it was probably like a 12 minute walk back to my apartment and i fell like three times like hard like i like the uh i was walking and it felt like i was walking straight and then all of a sudden the ground hit me from the side that sort of feeling and yeah like i still have some bumps and bruises from i think just that walk but um, yeah, I figured, you know, this could be a decent place to start the episode because it, it's obviously fresh in my mind. Uh, it's something for people to be aware of. I don't think people keep this in mind enough that it can literally happen at any 
given point to anyone. And so it's just so important to be wary of it because these things that people can do, especially to drinks when you're out, they can go very unnoticed. They're like silent, unseen. They don't, you know, make your drink look any different or anything. And as much as we talk about, you know, unity and the recognition of all of that, it's important to keep in mind that not everyone sees things that way. And people have ill intentions. And as as great as it is to feel free and let your guard down, it's also incredibly important to be aware that there are people out there. And I know Ray has, I'm sure, a plethora of experiences based on the number of conversations that we've had together. Um, But yeah, just wanted to kick things off with that and I'll pass it back to Ray. I do have a plethora of experiences, but we're not going to get into them on this episode because I think that would be a better conversation for, say, the retreat. And of course, it's something that I would prefer to talk to people face to face about because there's more gravity in the lessons as they come across. But I think that we can all agree that we are all very happy that you are still alive and still with us, Andrew. That was the one thing that crossed my mind when you told me this happened was that, wow, this could have been so much worse in so many different ways, regardless of the fact that you're white and huge, that doesn't really matter in terms of other people's intentions because you could quite easily be sold. You could have quite easily been killed. You could have quite easily ended up in a situation that you didn't understand with players that you didn't know. And there was a lot of other things that could have went south. And so I'm very, very grateful that at the most you're, you were inconvenienced and that you've got a couple of scrapes to remind you why you shouldn't trust people like that. And I like the fact that you brought up the unity thing, like the fact that we're always talking about recognizing that everyone is us. And this is where I tend to have my issue with the love and light crowd in terms of spirituality, because they'll say like, oh, everything is love, everything is light, everything. Right. Until somebody mugs you or murders you or rapes you or assaults you, then all of a sudden you're like, that person didn't love me. That doesn't feel like I'm loving myself. And unfortunately, it's not that we're not loving ourselves, it's that we've become so divided from who we are that all we see is survival. All we see is fear. All we see is I've got to get mine because nobody gives a shit about me. And so we actually start to tune people out. And we do that out of necessity because they've always tuned us out. Asking for a handout, asking for help from somebody often doesn't result in anything for a great many people. And so they end up becoming the very thing that they tend to despise. Right? This is something that I had to go through as a teenager was that I had spent so long thinking I was abandoned and that I was unlovable, that I actually started building barriers against people where I just couldn't feel for them because feeling was bad. Feeling made me feel vulnerable. Feeling was not something I wanted to face. And so if I didn't feel for myself, I wasn't going to feel for them. And in that state of mind, you can do a lot of damage and not feel anything about that damage. You can justify it. Very, very simply is all, we all got to get by. So it's very important, as you were saying, to recognize that while we are all one and while inside, underneath all of the stuff that we've learned, we are all the same beautiful awareness that is eternal. It's the stories that we learn on top of that that really make the difference. It's the stories that we learn on top of that that twist our, uh, on top of that that twist our actions. And so while it's important to recognize the beauty of our unity, it's very important to remember the duality that we've gotten lost in for so very long. And that's really what we're facing. And in spirituality, people tend to disregard that. This is actually something that you and I get 
responses. This is actually something that you and I hear a lot about when we release a video about looking at the world in terms of it being unity or not judging yourself. There's nothing that you do that makes you a bad person. It's just behavior that changes the ripples that you create. And so we'll say that. And immediately the response we get is, oh, okay. So you're just writing a blank check for bad people. You're saying that because you're never doing anything wrong, that it's okay to hurt people. It's okay to be narcissists. It's like, no, that, that's not what we're saying. But we're saying that those hurt people become hurt people through judgment and shame, right? It's the path that makes them feel like they're divided. It's the path of, of concepts and self-judgment and identity and all of that that makes people unaware that they're hurting themselves. And as long as we are taking responsibility for the whole, that means we have to recognize that stuff's in us too. And so this is one thing that does often make me, I guess, diverge from the common spiritual conversation is that I openly embrace my inner villain. And what I mean is that when I look at, say, corrupt government, or I look at you know, a criminal who's on death row and has done terrible, terrible things, it never, ever once dawns on me to say, I can't understand how they do that. I work very hard to imagine why they do that from every angle that I can. Because that person's me. The only difference is our life story. The only difference is our choices. So if I can't understand why they would do that is because I'm not willing to accept that I could do that. And that's how we get blindsided by these people. You know, I go to a bar, I immediately make sure I'm watching my drink. And it's not because I'm judging people. It's not because I'm afraid. I'm aware that not everybody is thinking about everyone else. I'm aware that some people are afraid and they're going to do things, not even considering me, just to get to an end result. And so I'm aware of that because I would do it myself in their position. And that makes me cautious, though not afraid. It means I keep my eyes open, but not in fear. Right? But in order to do that, I have to recognize what I would do if I was in their shoes. I actually have to look at the inner villain that feels divided and afraid and needs to survive and recognize there's nothing wrong with that, but it can be healed. And as I heal that within myself, I become more capable of healing it in conversations with people around me, also within myself. But you have to, to stop judging these people just because they're doing harm in order to help, I guess, heal the environment that caused them that harm or caused them to get to a point where they can create harm without noticing it. It's just changing our part in the whole. And by doing so, we're changing the ripples that change the pond, but it's not going to be overnight. It's not like... And, and we talked about this, the meditation in Washington where they meditated and dropped the crime rate for, for like a week or something like that. That's nice. That's really, really good. But that's just for a week. We're not going to be sitting here sustainably meditating all the time. And so it has to be in every little thing we do. It has to be in every little moment that we have. It can't be just when we're sitting in the lotus position. It has to be all the time, which is just relaxing, letting go, being aware, letting go of judgment, which means letting go of your self-identity. It's the same process all the time, but... Again, it's hard to do when you've been drugged. And so I just wanted to say, from my perspective, after going through my own journeys through darkness, I'm really impressed with how you bounced back from this, man. Like, I, I have to say that something like this can be really jarring, especially when you don't necessarily deal with that side of reality, when you're not 
necessarily hanging around with bikers or, or, or people who are involved in crime or violence or anything like that. Like when you're not used to that and this shit happens to you, it's jarring. And, and you've managed to roll with this pretty well. Like you, you've managed to, to at least recognize that it could have been worse and that it, it wasn't personal. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything about the world as a whole, because that is the other temptation is to go, well, this person hurt me. Therefore, everybody's going to hurt me. And that often comes from a lifetime of trauma. So I just wanted to say, man, well done. Like you're rolling with this really, really well. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a good test of, you know, it's one thing to talk the talk, but to be able to walk the walk is a different thing. Not to like fucking pat myself on the back and all that shit. But yeah, I mean, I haven't real, I've been able to see it very clearly similarly to the way that i see a lot of things a lot more clearly now and see like there's options in front of me i can cower in fear of you know the potential of this i can could even think like oh this this place is terrible i want to go home you know and and like leave i'm sure there have been people in situations like that that have done that and it's like you know i i haven't honestly i don't know if it's if it's like entirely the best thing, but like I've hardly even thought about it. Like I almost have forgotten about it until we've started talking about it again. Like I had a great day today. Like I woke up, did some, a bunch of content stuff, clipped up some podcast episodes, went to the gym, got a massage on the beach that I've been getting heckled to get. Cause they have a bunch of stands on the beach and like every day they're like, ah, oh, massage, massage. Finally I went, um, and then went swam in the ocean for a while. And like, I really haven't thought about it. And I guess I'm realizing it now that it's like, I, I don't hold on to as many things anymore. And it's like, it's kind of cool, I guess, but it's also important while that, can help me here now to also like not let it go too far where I forget what happened, you know, and, and keep my wits about me. But I've already made the decision. Like I don't need any more nightclubs in Costa Rica. I I'm good chilling at, at, uh, the local sports bar. That's, that's been a lot more fun anyway, that, that night wasn't that great leading up to that fucking shit storm that happened to me anyway. Um, but I, uh, I liked what you were saying before about empathy, because I think empathy gets this label as this positive thing like, Oh, empathy is, you know, and we talk about it a lot. Like empathy is so important, uh, important to keep in mind, like put yourself in, in everyone's shoes, but that means everyone's shoes. And a lot of people don't, like to look at certain people's shoes you know it's the same we like to look at someone you know every time you know the worst person comes to mind is hitler for example and and there's a path that hitler took growing up that led him to become what he was and it's not to say that there's no fault of his whatsoever he's absolutely has fault and responsibility and for all of the horrendous, absolutely horrendous shit that he did, but there was a path that got him there. And if you traded with him, everything that happened, like you have to be able to see that you would have done the same thing. 
And if you had traded places with anyone that he harmed, you would have acted in the same way. Like empathy is not just this love and light type thing where, oh yeah, you know, like I can see myself in in their shoes. It's like, no, you, you would be Hitler if you had their same experiences. There isn't like this made up fucking bullshit. Oh, my soul's different than theirs. Like, oh, I, I could never do that because I'm a good person and they're a bad person. It's like, no fucker, you would do the exact same thing. You would be Hitler if you had had the same exact circumstances, same exact experiences. And that's true empathy. If you can't go that far, you, you are not experiencing true empathy. So I think it's always very important to keep that in mind. And through that, that is a part of freedom as well as recognizing that being able to see the plethora of infinite number of options that can be taken by anyone in any single moment and being able to look at it with a clear head and a clear mind and make the one that you see most fit from recognizing the truth of what you are being everything. You wouldn't act in that way if you clearly saw unity the way that many people claim to see it. You wouldn't act that way. You would you act that way when you perceive division. And that's the root of it is, is the perception of, of me versus other. And I need to do this to impact this because I think this is objectively bad. It comes from our judgments, really. Like, you know, take Hitler, for example, like he had specific beliefs about how he thought the world should be rather than recognizing that the world just is. And everything just is. And he, he couldn't see himself in everything because he perceived division. He perceived this idea of himself that he took to be the truth. Like those are the limiting factors. Those are the things that get in the way of our ability to act in accordance with all of reality, with the whole. So it's through that recognition, through the letting go of that, as we talked about so many times, through letting go of the idea that you are something separate from anything. And through that, you gain enough clarity to act accordingly in every situation. And there isn't a specific, you know, set of rules you have to follow anymore. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you keep branching out in terms of empathy, you start to realize that Hitler wasn't by any means an anomaly. There have been dozens uh, or, or hundreds or thousands of possible would, would be Hitlers probably even roaming around the earth right now, but it was the circumstances that were there when Hitler came to power. And what I mean is that it followed World War I. So now you had an entire country of people who were poor, who were judged, who were ashamed. And they came out of a decade of having to pay reparations to the rest of the European countries where everybody judged them for World War I. And along comes Hitler talking to all these people who have been hurt, who are judging themselves, who identify as being less than everyone else. And he's like, no, the German people are, are advanced. The German people are more intelligent. The German people can build. The German people have always had industry and he's building them up. He's boosting them up in the same way that he boosted himself up. The problem is that he's boosting himself up and them up in comparison to everyone else. So it wasn't necessarily that Hitler was the problem. It was the entire situation. And that situation goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, World War I came on the heels of a lot of other issues between the monarchies of different European countries and their lineages and the politics of the time, as well as whatever the hell was happening with the church at, the, at that time as well, because let's not forget, the Vatican straight up met with Hitler and gave him their blessing. 
So there were a lot of things that come together to make these things happen. It's never just, oh, he was an evil person. Like, yeah, he was. And he was surrounded by people who reinforced that evil because they didn't see it as evil and neither did he. Right. And that's the problem is that when we're confused, when we're separated, when we can't see each other, we justify our actions and we don't ever admit that we could be wrong because that would tear us down. It would, it would do the exact opposite of everything else that we're trying to do in terms of investing in control. We're trying to raise ourselves up. Why would I look at a thought that tears me down? Right? And that's the problem. That is the problem. As soon as we think it tears us down, we start building up our walls in force. And that's when it cuts us off even more. This is why it's so important to recognize, I don't know. It's so important to recognize we don't know everything about everyone's lives. This is one of the reasons that for a number of years, I got very invested in you know, crime and serial killers, you know, uh, Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer, things like that. And it's because those people were people. They started out as children, just like you or me or anyone else. And then all that crap got piled on top. And so you can see the human over time getting lost in the concept, getting lost in the division, lost in the need, in the need to feel powerful, the need to connect, that need being so powerful and strong that it actually overwhelms their empathy. It actually overwhelms their reason. So the point to the point where they're just chasing that carrot and it's actually making their life worse. They're actually going deeper and deeper into the darkness, trying to find some cessation from that darkness. So it's a very difficult thing to have this conversation with somebody who is a moral person because they will tell you, I would never do that. I know what right and wrong is. In this mentality, you might, or at least you might believe you do. Right? Guaranteed that right and wrong that you believe in, though, is based on the environment that you grew up with, based on what you're willing to face within yourself. Right? It's, I've met people in, in my life who will say, oh, I never lie, which is a lie. Straight up, it's a lie. We all lie, or at the very least, we're all inaccurate. We all leave things out. Sometimes we lie by omission. Sometimes we lie because we don't actually know we're lying. All the years I told myself a story about what I was capable of was a lie that I believed quite convincingly because the alternative was uncertainty. Luckily for me, I recognized uncertainty was actually the path out of that mess. Uncertainty was actually the road that led out of the, the web of thoughts that go with lying. Because every time you lie, you got to tell two more lies, right? And so eventually, years later, you're telling lies to compensate for old lies, which compensate for old lies that you even forgot you told, right? This is why the hardest thing for somebody to do when they're used to lying is tell the truth the first time. Because it destroys the entire web. All of a sudden, everything is shaken. You told the truth. One piece of that, that intricate puzzle is just taken out and the whole thing starts to shake. Now you got no, no other choice but to keep telling the truth, right? Get rid, of the, get rid of that web. And this is where a lot of addicts end up, end up finding their salvation is in obliterating that web. When they can get rid of the addiction and they realize how many lies contributed to justifying that addiction. And then they start telling the truth. I'm sorry, I stole that money from you. Or I'm sorry, you know, it was me who damaged your car, you know, where you didn't tell them before because you were afraid that you wouldn't get what you needed. Right? And so you start to tear apart the web. But that's the point. You can't do that 
and ignore all of the shit that you're capable of doing. You cannot have empathy for people living in darkness unless you can recognize your own ability to get into that darkness yourself. So I just wanted to take a quick moment here to announce that we have our California mini retreat coming up on April 11th to April 15th. And it's going to be a blast. There's no agenda. There's no thing that you got to try to be or become. Just time to express yourself. Time to be yourself. Time to find out. What is it? be myself. Can I really just do that? Can I really just let go? Can I really just show up without any preparation whatsoever to every situation that I get into with a bunch of people doing the same and a bunch of games to play as you do it? We're going to play some pool. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to shoot the breeze. We're going to hang out. It's the dopest sleepover that you could possibly go to. And you can join us and save $150 by using code BIGBEAR150 at dualisticunity.com. Just go to the California Mini Retreat details. You'll find it in the navigation bar. Enter the coupon code, and you can use this coupon code in addition to your already existing Patreon discount. Very much looking forward to seeing you there. Yes, and and that is empathy. And it's fascinating how much we avoid that that ability to admit when we're wrong about anything it's like it could be argued that it's the most difficult thing for us to do is admit we're wrong in the face of you know making a statement or or anything because it's it's me that's wrong it's the idea of me and it's like as long as that's coming with you as opposed to recognizing that you're just reality, if you're able to just recognize that you're just reality wandering around, admitting you're wrong would be like not hard at all. It would be super easy. It's like, oh, that thing that was said by reality? Yeah, okay. I learned new information and now I've, I've changed. But holding on to that idea that I am right creates a stagnation and it, it, cuts us off from the constant flow of reality and the recognition that we are change in every single moment. We are not something that ever stagnates. The idea stagnates. The idea that we hold on to always stagnates to some degree. It changes eventually. There's shifts, but they're, they're fewer and farther between than the truth of what we are shifting in every single goddamn moment. And so it's it's just fascinating how much overlap there is between holding on to those ideas, not being able to admit, admit we're wrong, and trapping ourselves, and, and also not being free through all of it. But it's like the thing we desire is the thing that is beyond the letting go of the thing we think is going to get us there. If that made sense, <laughs> it's like that idea of ourselves that we keep trying to build up creates this sense of certainty, which is the exact thing that cuts us off from being free every single time. So in order to be free, we have to be uncertain. We have to be willing to say, I don't know. We have to be willing to look back at something we thought you know, yesterday or a week ago or 10 years ago and be like, oh yeah, that was, that was wrong. I learned some new stuff. And now I think this, and that's okay. Like, that's totally okay. And it's crazy how our society as a whole, because we're so egotistically driven and so identity driven that change, 
changing your mind is seen as this massive weakness. Like it's seen as such a big weakness. You look at, you know, politicians, for example, that's, that's a great example of when people are bashed for changing their mind because there's so many, and, and granted a lot of them are sleazy pieces of garbage, but they're also me. And I would do the same thing if, if I were in their suit shoes. So if I had uh, gone through their lives, I'd be a sleazy piece of garbage too, but I'll still say they're a sleazy piece of garbage most of the time, but uh, <laughs> uh, not all of them. Um, but it's, uh, it's interesting because so, so often because people get dug into when they're running for office, because, you know, we got the two sides and, you know, my side's got to win and I'm going to do everything I can to bash the other side that they look back. And there's so many instances of people changing their mind about something, but it's like, as the times change, as we learn more information, like how many things were, were let slide that people said back, I don't know, 15 years ago that now they were to say it online, like they'd be canceled immediately. Like there's probably 200 things that you definitely can't say now that you could probably say back then. It doesn't mean that they were okay to say back then, but times change. And and as times change, people change and, and we shift with it. Like people understand more things. They realize like, oh, you know, that was offensive. It doesn't mean that they were right to begin with, but it's just important to recognize like it's okay for people to see things in a different light, in a new light and shift as they understand things and change and, and being able to change is a good thing. And it's not only a good thing, it's the truth of what we are. Like we are change in every single moment. So as long as we hold on to any ideas of ourselves, any beliefs that like, Oh, I would, I would never do that. I could never do that. Anything like that cuts us off from the flow. It's like you have the capacity to do and be anything. And if you don't recognize that, you're not truly free. You're you're boxing yourself up into this thing that you believe that you are that can do this and can't do that. It's like to truly be free, you have to be able to recognize that you could do anything. You could be anything. You could be the worst of the worst to the best of the best. And that is freedom, as I was saying before. Like that's true freedom. It's not this like, love and light positivity, like, oh, I'm, you know, flying high, feeling great. I'm free. It's like, no, freedom is everything, the entire spectrum. It doesn't mean that it's always sunshine and rainbows. It's the darkest holes in all of reality is also included in that freedom. Yeah. Hell yeah. And it's so interesting because I don't know how this episode became about light and darkness, but when spiritual people tend to gravitate towards the positive side where they're like, you know, existence is love and light. God is love and light. Everything is unity and connection and and love and light and so on and so forth. Um, Often it's just because they don't want to look at the darker stuff. They're the exact kind of people who will avoid those who are low vibration. And that in itself is darkness. I mean, the judging of other people and sentencing them to being isolated just separating yourself from, from them as a whole because your assumptions of them, that is evil. You do that long enough, you end up with a lot of people who feel disconnected, who feel ignored, who feel unimportant and unloved. I mean, the fact is, is that if you really do believe that the universe is love, that everything is love and light, embody it, regardless of the other person. Now, I'm not going to say that's what I would do because I'm not out there saying the universe is love and light. 
ever. I never say that because that's one-sided. That sounds like preference. It's like saying, oh, God is love. God's also hate. God's also murder as well as birth. Like existence is all of it. It's not one side or the other based on what makes you feel the best. But if you can look at someone who is hurting someone else and recognize where that hurt is coming from, recognize where you would feel it in yourself, you will immediately have an insight in how to connect to that person or at least how to relate to that person. And that gives you an opportunity to grow, both of you. Even if they don't change what they're doing, the fact that you have had an insight into why they're doing it changes what you're going to do for the rest of your life. That's all that's important. But it's about taking the lessons and then moving on without defining yourself. And this is the reason that I'm so impressed with what Andrew has done this weekend because he went through an event. He learned a lot from that event. He could have beaten himself up. He could have made a bunch of assumptions about where he is or a bunch of assumptions about the rest of his time there. Instead, he just took the lesson for what it was and decided, I'm probably not going to do that again. And then just went back to uncertainty. Didn't start making any assumptions about anything, but just took the lesson for what it was. You don't have to keep rehashing that in your mind. The, the fact is the next time you end up in a situation that's even relatively similar, your brain's going to go, do you remember this? And you're going to change what you've done. You don't have to define yourself by it. You don't have to think about yourself, beat yourself up, try and say, I should remember this in the future. It's already done. It's already passed. You've had the experience. And as long as you're paying attention, you're getting everything that you can out of that experience. And that's what makes you, I guess, more on the light side of things, because then you're not casting a shadow just by dwelling on your mask again. You're letting the mask go. You're understanding this is how life works. You learn things, you grow, you evolve, you gain some strength, and you hope that it doesn't kill you. That's faith in a nutshell. And if it does kill you, it doesn't kill you anyway. You're everyone. And I know that's small consolation when things are going bad, but it is something to remember that despite how real all of this may seem, you will always be. If you can remember that, then you will also remember that it's true for everyone else regardless of what they're doing in their life. The person who robbed you is eternal. The person who, who beat you up when you were a kid on the playground, they're going to live forever. There's no punishment for them at the end of the road. If you want there to be, you should probably wonder why. Because that's the problem. There's no punishment for any of us. Our punishment is here in what we do to ourselves, And that's not a punishment. That's just consequence. And once we start taking accountability for that, punishment starts to subside. We end up going back towards the Garden of Eden or heaven on earth, however you'd like to call it, but it requires us to accept responsibility. In order to be the light, you have to accept that you're both the light and the darkness. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and anytime you get hung up on judging yourself or looking back at a situation or anything really it, it brings you back into identity it cuts you off again from being able to recognize what's to come like what's in front of you with the flow being able to see the opportunities presented to yourself as long as you're holding on to oh i wish this didn't happen or you know i wish this person didn't act this way or you know i hope this doesn't happen again all of those things are not here now and they're all going to create more and more suffering 
for yourself. It's, it's like in every moment, letting go of those beliefs. And again, it's not to say that you can't keep your wits about you. Like it's already there. Like we, we discount how intelligent we truly are deep down. Like we think we have this, you know, egoic intelligence, this cerebral thing where it's like, oh, I got to remember and, and, you know, stay tense and, and restrict myself. And like, oh, is that person looking at me funny? And it's like, oh, it's like, no, you can be free. Like it's already there. It's already processed. And as we see people similar to, you know, I don't even know who did it to me this weekend. I don't know who slipped something in my drink, but as long as I perceive the division and see that person as other, it cuts myself off from being able to have an insight and being able to look at it and see it for what it really is. And it's the same for, you know, like the low vibe people Ray was just talking about, like, it's such a, uh, I don't even know what the word is like such a, uh, I'm just going to say it. It's such a pathetic way of the love and light community looking at things to say, oh, you know, I don't hang with low vibe people. It's like, how much fucking, how little fucking faith in yourself do you have that you, that one person or a couple people can impact your internal state of being that you can't even hang around them? Like that's, that's kind of a, that's, you're not giving yourself much, uh, much credit over there. If you have to literally avoid an entire person because you think they will have so much of an impact on you. It's like, where's your power? Did you forget that you have influence as well? Like you got some there too. Like you don't have to avoid all the low vibe people, maybe hanging around them, being you, not allowing them to infiltrate, you know, what you embody will shift them. Who's to say that they're always the ones shifting everyone else. Like, oh, I got to avoid this crew because they're so low vibe. Like, it was just bringing me down. It's like, why don't you work on bringing them up? You know, being yourself, being free. But as long as you avoid all of those things, you're not able to learn from it. And you have to be willing to look at everyone and everything. If you really want to have that faith in yourself, you have to be willing to see everyone. And again, it's not to say that you have to always hang out with everyone. I'm not saying that, oh, I, I, you know, I got to build this faith in myself. So I'm going to go hang out with these people who just are annoying as fuck. And I'm just going to be there and be me. And it's totally fine. It's like, no, you don't have to do that either. It's like, it's just recognizing that you don't have to avoid all of this shit out of fear of your quote unquote vibration being brought down. Like when you truly embody freedom, embody that true faith in yourself. You don't think so much about what kind of vibe someone else has. You're just your vibe and you walk around embodying it, impacting reality as reality and people catch on. Like you'll be surprised as you let go of your fear of how reality is going to impact you, how much fucking influence you really have on reality. Yeah, for sure. I like how you put that. You're avoiding people who are bringing you down. So you're contributing the general direction of going down. You're allowing yourself to be disempowered. You're essentially agreeing that that's the direction that we're going. And so you're contributing to it. But you don't have to avoid people who you don't agree with. You don't have to avoid people who have a different mentality than you. But as you said, 
let it play out sometimes, right? Doesn't mean you have to hang out with them either. So I'll give you a perfect example. Um, there's somebody who lives relatively close to me and I run into them every once in a while. And we've had a few very short conversations. He, he very much wants to talk to me. And so we've run into each other, but within about three minutes, the conversation just trails off into nothing. And it's because our interests are so very different, right? And what I mean is that he wants to reassure himself by telling you who he is, what he believes, where he came from, how he was raised and how he raises his own children and, and treats his family and does his work and so on and so forth. None of those things to me tell me anything about a person, just what they do. So I tend to ask things that go a touch deeper, like, oh, that's interesting. You know, and what did you get out of that? Or, or no, that's an interesting parallel between this and this. And I'll, I'll try and, you know, make a bridge between that mentality and my own. Doing that for a few minutes with somebody who doesn't want to question themselves is really all you need to do. They will excuse themselves. And it's because they don't want to question themselves. You are questioning everything they're going to get uncomfortable. You don't have to feel uncomfortable for them. Another thing that's really important to remember is that sometimes the discomfort you feel isn't yours. Sometimes the discomfort you're feeling when talking to somebody is theirs. It's their discomfort that you're feeling and you're internalizing it. You're making it yours. You're just aware of the environment being different. And so you immediately identify with that different environment and assume it's your feelings and your thoughts. And of course, your brain's more than happy to present you with all the evidence that it is. But if you were to ask yourself, well, hold on, if I was talking to anybody else, would I feel this awkward? And the answer is no. Chances are it's not your awkwardness. Important to keep that in mind. That is interesting because I can definitely remember plenty of situations where I've been in and the other person was, you know, caught up in their idea of themselves just like there's a bunch of small talk bullshit and i was feeling uncomfortable and i think more now i recognize the just because i'm more sensitive to how i'm feeling that this person's really uncomfortable right now or they're more so they're trying to be something or, or trying to you know play a character which is always going to be cutting yourself off from reality and you kind of feel it. And it's like, once you can recognize that you can kind of have a little bit more influence on things when you see it, it's like, okay, this person's pretty uncomfortable right now. And you're able to almost like in the moment, like on the spot, roll with it a little bit and maybe go in a direction, not that's entirely just like, you being yourself of being like sensitive to their discomfort and being able to sort of like help them maybe feel a little bit more comfortable with, I don't know, asking questions. I don't even know exactly what I'm trying to say here, but maybe everyone listening understands what I'm trying to say. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting though, how much you can feel that in a room or in a group of people like there's, there's a much different, I've, I've definitely been able to feel when I walk into a room where it's like a bunch of my good friends and they're all hanging out versus it's like a few friends, a few random people and, and everyone's sort of talking, but not really. And there's like a, a much different comfort in the room. And it's fascinating because, you know, we are just energy and what do they say that our, our heart 
center radiates like six feet out. So there's a room of 10 people. There's going to be a massive radius of energy around all of that. And it's all going to be impacting itself. So it's all going to be exacerbating the energy that, that everyone else is emanating. So it's interesting, but at the same time, don't forget about your own energy and the impact that that can have. And as you come in feeling free and you, you know, start talking to someone, someone lets down their guard, someone else kind of feels it, that conversation shifts, that conversation shifts. And it's like, we're always impacting everything all the time. And it's our belief that we're separate that cuts us off from that recognition. And it's like, oh, well, I can't do that because I'm me and you're you. It's like, yeah, but we're always impacting each other. We're always impacting everything that we do. We talked about this a lot in our most recent episode with, with Tim about impacting our environment, you know, recognizing that I am reality. I am the company that I work for. So the only thing I ever have to shift if I want to shift my company, if I want to shift reality is shift myself. If I want to shift the group of people that I'm in, shift yourself. It's not shifting everyone else. Shift yourself and the ripples that are made are incalculatable. You know, you'll never be able to tell, but it's always happening. It's always happening in every single moment. So focus on you and, and things typically tend to work out. Yeah. Hell yeah. And it's funny because there is an interesting trick. I guess you could call it a trick, but it's something that will help in terms of dealing with people in situations, whether they're people you're familiar with or strangers. The more you are thinking about yourself, the less you're able to pick up what's happening. But that also means the more you're looking for something in others, the less you will see what they are. And that's very important to remember that when you go into a situation looking for something, like for them to like you, for example, or for them to have a certain opinion of you, or for you to look a certain way, you are going to miss everything that isn't within that focus. You're going to miss everything that you're not looking at because you're staring at a dot trying to get there and you're missing the rest of the field of vision. And this is why we often get blindsided by people with ill intention is because we are going into the situation looking for something. And so we miss their ill intention, right? Often we go into a situation wanting to be liked, which means that we're looking for a positive view of ourselves, which means we're only focused on the positives, which is also why we miss the ill intention. Because we're trying to feel better about who we are instead of just recognizing that no matter what I think I am, I'm never that. So I'm both the hero and the villain. And as that, I recognize both the hero and the villain from moment to moment to moment. But if I'm trying to be the hero, then I'm deliberately going to either see only villains or only other heroes, depending on how I feel that day. And so you have to let go of who you think you are in order to be able to see what's really there. It's the most important thing in terms of relationships. This is why people go into relationships and then years later, they're like, oh, you're not the person I thought you were. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. I am not the person you thought I was, or I'm not the person you forced yourself to think I was because of your own preferences and your own fears and your own needs. It's not that I ever changed who I was, unless, of course, I'm playing the same game, in which case I'm trying to become something because I want you to like me. So we're both lying to each other and neither of us who are who we thought we were. 
So it's always the same thing. It's always that we get in our own way and blind ourselves to what's obvious otherwise. So it's just, as always, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I am. I don't know what's happening. I don't know who you are. I don't know anything other than what I'm doing right now and the infinite possibility that's in front of me. And as long as I'm accountable, as long as I'm aware, as long as I'm mindful, that's all I really need. Everything else just unfolds, but it really is just accountability and mindfulness. It's like that want creates a tunnel vision that cuts us off from everything else. That's how I was picturing it when you're talking about it was like our desire for, you know, it could be whatever we're desiring for someone to think of us in a certain way, for someone else to be a certain way, for a certain situation to turn out a certain way, for a certain situation to not turn out a certain way, for things to go a certain way, be it a person or a situation or an event or anything. It's always going to create this tunnel vision. And therefore, we're going to miss a fuckload of shit that's outside of that tunnel. We're not going to be able to see anything when we're so focused on that. And it's because we think we know, at the end of the day, it really comes down to thinking we know what's best, thinking that that person acting that certain way or being that certain way is going to be what's best for us. Us acting in this certain way is going to be what's best for the other person or for the situation or the situation turning out this way. I'm so focused on with my tunnel vision is going to be what's best. The reality is you never know. As Ray just said, you don't know. You never know. It's a statement we come back to almost every single episode. I don't know. So when you recognize fully and, and more clearly that you don't know jack shit, you can take that tunnel vision off. You can take those blinders off and see everything. And then you're free. As long as you have them on, you are not free. You are imprisoning yourself to a specific viewpoint. I keep, I keep physically doing, I talk with my hands a lot. So I keep doing the uh, tunnel vision with my hands because uh, that's just how I'm picturing it. I'm literally picturing it as a tunnel vision and it cuts you off from everything. It cuts you off from the flow of reality. That's, that's everything, everywhere, all the time. That's always happening. And as long as you have your preferences that you hold on to so tightly because it gives you a false sense of certainty, it makes you feel better temporarily. It's going to cut you off and it's it's not going to allow you to see all of the potential opportunities that are out there. You think you know what's best. What's best is most likely something else. It's almost always going to be something else than your specific little idea based on your limited experience of reality. So it's letting go of, of thinking that you know what the best case outcome is, thinking you know what the best way to act is. We get so hung up thinking, oh, if I just act this way, this person's going to like me. There's no way to possibly know what the best way to act is in any situation, no matter what. We don't know how everyone else, everyone else has their own preferences and ideas about you and, and reality as well. So your idea of how you think you should be or how the situation should go is probably going to be incorrect. But as long as you have that tunnel vision, it's going to cut you off from being able to see all of the potential opportunities that you could be, all of the freedom that you could embody in every single moment. And so letting go of those preferences, letting go of that idea that you, that you actually know what's best for your life or for yourself 
or for that other person allows you to see the opportunities, all of the potential. And in that, you can make more informed decisions. It doesn't mean you're not going to keep making decisions. You still will keep making decisions, but now you're going to see options as opposed to just limiting yourself to a singular option that then you get kind of stuck into. And then you get the sunk cost fallacy where you're like, oh, I've desired this for so long that now I have to keep going for this. And it's like, I'm starting to see some other opportunities, but you know, I, I can't let go. I can't go that way because then I'd have to let go of this idea that I'm correct. And, and I've been making the right decision the whole time. It's like, you've never been that idea that was correct. So as you let go of that more and more, you become more and more free. You see the opportunities. You can act accordingly, act through that clarity that is left when you let go of thinking, you know, what's best kind of like how many rich people have inevitably ended up in divorce how many celebrities have had multiple marriages and it's not because they didn't have an opportunity to make it work it's just that they had a destination that was more important than the opportunity that would have presented itself had they let go of that destination whether it's being richer or being more famous or whatever it might be the fact is is that that was the important part and there was an opportunity where maybe you could have let that go and the relationship would have went in a different direction as a result of letting that go. But you think that's what's going to make me happy. More importantly, that's what's going to make me valuable is getting to that end result. And so we always think we, it's that we need to think that we know what will make us valuable. Because the alternative is recognizing that nothing makes us valuable. Nothing removes our value. Our value is in our potential. It can be expressed in any moment. Nothing takes that away. It can just not be expressed. That's really it. That's the only thing that can be done with your value is not be expressed. Whenever you do something, you are expressing your value. How much of your value you are expressing is ultimately going to be dictated by how much you're thinking about yourself rather than the thing that you're doing. So the more you get involved with what you're doing and stop defining yourself with it, the more value you will see expressed moment to moment to moment because you are the value. It's you, but it's thinking that something else raises our value that gives us that tunnel vision all the time. It doesn't matter what the goal is. If we're like, this is what's going to make me happy. We miss every moment along the way where we could have felt happy or at least at peace or at least had an insight or at least felt challenged or at least felt enthusiastic. Like, there's so many different things. This is the reason I never focus on the word happy because it's a really superficial goal at the end of the day. Like how long are you going to be happy for? What then? It's going to get boring. You're happy for too long. You're going to want to start feeling a little challenged, a little frustrated to you know, spice up the happiness the next time you round the horn and get back to it. Right? Like you need to have a full life. A full life is not a single facet. A full life is as multifaceted as you can possibly imagine and more. And it's just what you can embrace in accepting that there's always more to see until you get stuck on an end and decide that's it. I know. And then that's the rest of your life, what you think, you know, and the tunnel vision that goes with it. Yeah. I like, I liked what you said there about expressing your value and how we're always doing it. And I also want to clarify too, because sometimes people get caught up in thinking, oh, well, if I, if I don't do anything, then I'm not expressing my value. But that's like, people get caught up in thinking of it like a superficial, not do anything. And it's like, Oh, well, if I sit on the couch, am I, am I not expressing my value? If I just sit and, and, you know, 
quietly on a bench? Am I not expressing? No, you're always expressing your value. It's, it's like if you get caught up being confused that you aren't always expressing your value, that it stops because then you're acting out of a place of desire. You're acting out of a place of need, acting out of a place of lack. And that's the only time that you're not inherently expressing your value. Te- I mean, technically speaking, maybe you could say you still are, but it's when we get confused into, into believing that we aren't always whole and complete, that we get caught up in, in doing other needy, manipulative shit. And really, that's what it comes down to so often is manipulation. Like People don't like that word because they think it's like victim blaming when someone who is needy and, and wants people to like them. It's like, if you're acting in a way that you want people to like you, if you want other people to like you, you're being manipulative. You are. It's just, it's just a basic definition of the term. You're manipulating. You're attempting to get someone to act or feel in a certain way based on how you're acting or feeling. So in order to let go of manipulation, you have to let go of your desire for anyone to like you for any reason. You have to recognize that you don't need anyone. You don't need anyone to like you. And it's interesting how often I'll have this conversation, people, and they'll be like, what, what's wrong with wanting people to wanting people to like me? Like, that doesn't seem so bad. And it's like, yeah, but you're always going to be acting in a way to get them to do it. And it's always going to be manipulative. You have to be willing to let go of that need. You have to be willing to come at it from a place of recognition that you are already whole and complete, recognition that you are always whole and complete, and you actually don't need anyone to like you, straight up. You don't need a single person to like you, and if you think you do, you do not recognize the truth of what you are. You are going to act out of lack. You are going to act manipulatively every single time until you recognize the truth of what you are. But as long as people get caught up in, in the ideas of themselves, the perception of division as truth, almost all the time they're going to act out of lack, out of manipulation, because they derive their value from the validation they receive from other people. And it's just the letting go of that. It's the recognition of their wholeness, of their completeness, the recognition that they're God and they've always been and always will be that allows them to see that. And and then once you see that, there's no more manipulation. There's no more need for external validation because what could possibly make you more whole than being everything all the time for eternity? Like it, it, it becomes an impossibility to even do it. So it's like, okay, well then why should I do anything? Because you can, because you're fucking everything. Because you're whole. You're actually whole. And then... People are way more drawn to you because you don't need shit from them. It's fascinating how much more attractive people get when they stop needing anything from anyone. Everyone's like, oh, they don't, they don't need me. Huh. Wonder, wonder what they're all about. I want to learn more about them. They seem super interesting. It's always how it goes. But until, until you recognize the wholeness and completeness that you are, you're going to act out of manipulation. You're going to need that external validation to, to feel better. Yeah, Absolutely. It's interesting what you were saying about the fact that we're always we're always expressing our, our value as it were but when we're focused on the illusion of ourselves when we're focused on our idea of ourselves it's like we're just putting our value into the distorted illusion 
So no matter how much value we pour into it, the illusion itself is already tainted. Our value isn't going to fix it because that's the nature of the illusion. So it doesn't matter how much of yourself you pour into your idea. It's always going to have the same toxicity. It's always going to create the same dualistic perspective that reinforces your sense of lack. Always. And it got me thinking that it's really kind of interesting because it's the difference between, let's just say, your potential is expressed as just having limitless energy to put into whatever it is you want, right? And so we go through the world investing our energy in different things, investing in different you know, strategies or investing in different thoughts or investing in different you know, directions, things like that. But those are investments. Whereas as soon as we start thinking about ourselves and how it gives us value and how it's getting us somewhere and somebody's going to like us, for blah, we're basically just throwing that energy in a hole. It almost does nothing. It's the difference between investing in a company or throwing your money in a hole. It doesn't help you any, right? It just feels better. You're like, I'm doing something with my money. You're throwing it in a hole. That's not going to benefit you down the road. You're just going to have a hole full of money. It's still going to be a hole, right? Instead of using it to build something out of your life, instead of using it to build your relationships, using it to build whatever it is you want to build. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a painting, could be a book, could be a new business, could be a new friendship, could be a new relationship. It doesn't matter. These are all things that you are building through your attention, through your attention and your awareness and your mindfulness. That's it. The more pure and, and focused you are in terms of your attention and your mindfulness in the present, the more your life changes. That's the rudder. The problem is we get so caught up in the end destination that we forget how to feel the current that we're riding on. That's going to get us there. If we just maintain awareness, we get comfortable, we get lazy. We assume, oh, it's on autopilot. I should be fine because somehow life should be on autopilot. But that's, again, that's a big part of our culture. We are, I guess we're addicted to the idea of making things simpler or making things easier on us. We baby-proofed the world in a number of ways, not recognizing that in doing so, we're actually making it much harder on ourselves to do. We were talking uh, in our Twitch live stream last week about how trees that were grown inside uh, a biodome where they were trying to, to mimic nature would only get two or three feet high and then would just start falling over. And they couldn't figure out why do these trees keep falling over like we're taking care of the soil we're making sure they have their nutrients they're getting enough sunlight everything's perfect in terms of the environment why aren't these trees digging deeper roots and it was because there was no wind in the biodome and so there was no resistance to make the tree want to dig those roots deeper and that's very much the same with us the resistance the challenge that's what encourages us to dig deeper into the moment to dig deeper into our potential to dig deeper into what we're capable of but we have forgotten that as a species. I was watching this video, I think two weeks ago, about how they are now using nanobots to guide lazy sperm to the egg. Just drink that in. Just imagine the impact that that's going to have over the course of that child's life. Because natural selection, gaining strength through adversity is all very important to us growing as a species, as an entity. So now we're actually like chauffeuring them to the egg. And what are we expecting out of this? How is this going to help us? But again, it's, it's short-sightedness. We don't think, well, should we do this? We go, oh, a lot of people will like how easy this is. And we market it and we sell it. 
wait what the fuck hold on what are they trying what what's the point of that doesn't it get there eventually anyway or is not it not if you have who are like not if you have weak sperm or a low sperm count right so instead mm-hmm. of in vitro instead of doing it in a petri dish no no they've got nanobots that will grab that sperm and carry that fucker right to the egg so you don't have to worry it's going to be done for you there's no more competition there's no more mystery there's no more strongest will survive is got a sperm no worries you're gonna have a kid regardless of how that turns out damn yeah so i i have a couple of thoughts about that because i think especially i loved the way we ended that twitch stream talking about we could have gone for another couple hours about the adversity and and the trees growing up in the biodome and not having any wind and not having any adversity and it's interesting how in our lives, we want to get to a lack of adversity as quickly as possible. It seems like, like we want to get rich young and then just be able to chill and not really deal with stuff. But who's to say that getting to that point is the best place to be? Like a lot of people have gotten to that place and they get super fucking depressed. They're like, oh, I, you know, Jim Carrey's quote. I wish everyone could realize all of their hopes and dreams so they could realize it wasn't the answer or something like that. And so it's funny how we still get so caught up on it. We still think that's the peak. And so we rush, rush, rush. We try and, you know, oh, if only I had invested in Bitcoin and put, you know, $10,000 in in 2011 and now I'd be super rich. And it's like, yeah, but then what? Then what? You just sit on a beach for the rest of your life like there wouldn't be as much desire to do other things like the number of things in my life even recently like i talked about it on here me getting hacked and losing that money there was a fire that was under me because i was like fuck i just lost a bunch of money i gotta go do some other stuff like i don't think i would have started doing one-on-ones as quickly if that hadn't happened And so there's always things like that happening. And for me, that instance specifically was something that, yeah, I was avoiding that for a while. And then that happened. And I was like, all right, let's start, you know, let's start thinking about some stuff here. And it's interesting just like how often those things play a role in our lives, but then we don't see it for what it is. We think it's just this thing like adversity is just something we want to get beyond and then keep going. But if we were to be able to recognize that adversity is equally as beneficial as the payoff of overcoming it, then maybe we wouldn't have just like money as the peak of our reality. Maybe money wouldn't be this like end all be all, like get as much as you can and then just, you know, chill. Maybe it would be more like process driven. It's like figure out what you enjoy doing day to day think about the money later and then it'll work itself out but all of a sudden you, you know you wouldn't need millions and millions and a billion dollars if you enjoyed your process day to day because you know if you're spending say we have 24 hours in a day say on average people sleep 6 7 8 hours we have a certain amount of time in a day you can get all this shit in the world get the coolest house, the nicest setup, the best man cave in the world, you know, nicest cars. You can't even spend a full day doing all of that shit. Like if you really think about how do you want to spend 
a day, there's not enough time to spend doing all the materialistic shit that we all strive for in a day. So it's like, as we recognize, start to recognize these things more and more and start to recognize that maybe process should be more of a priority for us than end all be all, than the money, than the wealth, than the riches, than the fame. We think about like, how do I want to spend my days? What do I want to be doing? And everything else kind of falls into place, but we have all of our ideas backwards. And because we want to avoid that adversity that actually makes us so much stronger, that builds those roots deeper, allows us to handle so much more because we want to avoid it. We just strive for those things, try and get rich quick. And then, you know, we get there and we're still insecure as fuck. We still, you know, people don't like us for anything besides our money. I know a few people who are pretty well off and people still don't like hanging out with them, but they try and like buy their friendships and and buy their way to getting friends. And it's like kind of a sad existence, but if they weren't so focused on the money and focused on some other things and maybe built some other things or worked on some other things, I'm not saying that that's applicable to everyone. Like people have different personalities, not everyone gets along with everyone, but it's like our focus could use a shift into something else because it's the process. It's the way you spend your day that is your life. It's not all that superficial shit that makes up that goddamn idea of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because that's why with Dualistic Unity, and and I know our avid listeners will know this, that we are switching to full-time with Dualistic Unity as of December. But Andrew and I don't have any intention of getting to the point where we have tens of millions of dollars each. Like I look at somebody like Andrew Tate bragging about his, his 30 or 40 sports cars. And my only thought is what a waste of time. Like you have all these cars that you can't possibly drive. Like, why do you even have them just to say that you have them because somebody might be impressed. Is that really the kind of person that you want to impress? Like there's so many things there. Whereas we had that money. Oh my God. Like I never intend to stop challenging things. I never intend to stop addressing issues that exist within my collective consciousness. Right now, Andrew and I are are looking at retreats. Right now, we're trying to work on the first phase of this, which is to bring more of us together more often than we are doing right now. And in doing that, we create more ripples, which leads to the next insight, which might address uh, alternative energy. It might address Uh, residual income for more than just us, a way to actually help communities, a way to actually get involved in terms of community gardens or something like that. But there's always more to do. There's always more that we can fix. There's always more that we can address. There's always more that we can take accountability for. But if my only drive is me, that's where I'm going to stop. And then the rest of my life, all I'm going to be doing is trying to find other ways to keep you looking up to me for what I've done previously. And that's often what happens. Oh, look what I did way back then. You know, I I had a a client actually who whenever you ask him like, okay, so what are you doing in in your current life? He would just tell you about all the philanthropy he did back in the seventies. It's like, right. But now you don't do anything. (laughs) Now you don't get out. Now you judge everybody you talk to. Now you're an absolute cantankerous asshole. You can't just keep pointing back to the things that you did once upon a time like that defines you. Right. But it gave me value. So I'm going to keep doing that. Whereas to me, none of it gives me value. 
None of it. It wouldn't matter if Andrew and I raised enough money to feed every starving person in the world. That would not make me more valuable. It would just make a lot less people hungry, which is enough for me. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's that it's that separation and that that nothing that you do and it goes both ways. And so many people get afraid of their value being diminished based on things they do because directly because they hold on to their value being built up because of things they do. It's like that's the fucking train of the ego. That's the running from the stick and chasing the carrot type mentality. But in order to let go of that fear of that idea being diminished, you have to, have to, have to, have to be willing to let go of that idea being built up by anything you ever do, by anything you ever accomplish, by any award you receive or pats on the back that you get. It's all based on the idea of yourself. It's not to say that you can't, you know, appreciate it when it happens, like smile and, and, they, all right, this, this was cool, but it doesn't add any value to you. And if you think that it does, it's because you're lost in illusions. It's because you're lost in thinking that idea of yourself is the truth of what you are. That idea of yourself is incredibly malleable by any single person that you interact with. No matter what, it can always be built up or brought down. And so it's not about building up the idea of yourself. I was walking on the beach today. I, I mentioned in Discord sometimes people were talking about talking to themselves. And uh, sometimes I'll like do practice TED Talks, just pick a topic and just like talk to myself for, for 10 or 20 minutes. And it was about how everyone's so caught up in building this idea of yourself, building the idea of myself. Oh, I just have to think of myself more positively. And it's not about that. It's never been about that. As long as you're there, you're in the ego. You're in the illusion. You're in the idea of yourself that can be built up and torn down by anyone and anything. And as soon as another little thought comes in, all of a sudden that idea is diminished. It's about letting go of the idea of yourself. It's about recognizing that that idea of yourself is never going to be the truth of what you are. What you think you are is never going to be what you are, no matter what you do, how much you accomplish, how much you fail at, which is really the maybe the most freeing part is no matter what you fail at, how many times you fail does not diminish the truth of what you are, does not diminish your value whatsoever. In that recognition, you're really free. You're really free to do anything because that's a lot of times what hinders us from making those leaps is that fear of failure. But in order to be able to let that go, you have to let go of when you do make that leap enough times, when you do fail enough times, and you do start to garner up some success and experience some you know, pats on the back and some good job. Oh, you're doing great work. Can't take those too seriously either. You have to be willing to let go of both sides. You have to recognize that the idea of you is never stagnant. It's never solid. It's never certain. You can never point to it because it's always the thing pointing <laughs> or sort of, but it always is what is. It's just reality changing in every single moment. That's it. So you don't have to waste time and energy trying to point to it, trying to define it, trying to defend it. Just keep being, doing, doing shit, putting shit out there, making things, process. That's all it ever is. Letting go more and more every single day, that idea of what you think you are. Hell yeah, absolutely. It's, 
if we really want to simplify it, it comes down to the fact that you can change the experience in your life. You can add value to your life. It doesn't do a thing to you. It does not raise or lower you. It just changes your experience and the experience of other people who are also you. But the less you know that, the more distortion it causes. And that's really it. It's just awareness. If you want to be the light, you have to be all of unity, which includes all of duality. And that's it. If you're one side or the other, that's contributing to the darkness, to the shadow, right? Because you're part of the mask. You're reinforcing the mask. And therefore, there is that darkness that comes with it. The light that we're talking about is not light in comparison to dark. We're talking about the light that includes the dark, right? Unity is duality. It's the same lesson all the time. So all of that said, I think what we really wrapped up here is, uh, and I'd like to summarize it with a quote from our good friend, JC, turn the other cheek, which doesn't mean don't be aware that people are going to try and take advantage of you. It doesn't mean immediately forgive them because that's, again, that's about you. But don't let it define your life. Don't let it define your viewpoint. Don't let it twist and distort what you do after you've been slapped. Learn from it. Move on. It's the best thing you can do. And in doing that, at least you're not reinforcing it. And that is the problem with defending ourselves from things from an egotistical standpoint. All we're doing is reinforcing the battle. We could just learn from it, walk away, and allow those people to continue on their path that will eventually change. Or it won't. You know, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Everything finds its balance over time. We don't always get to see how that works out, but it does. Life is balance. We don't always get satisfied by that either, especially when we want people who hurt us to be punished. But I will say right now, in my own life, from the number of times that I've been hurt, I don't wish any ill will on anyone who's ever hurt me. And the reason is because they're already suffering. The reason they hurt me was because of the mentality that they live in. And that is their own hell. The best thing I can do for myself is just not be part of it by getting absorbed in it. They will figure it out or they won't, and that is their place. So it's not about forgiveness, just acceptance and awareness and recognizing that you have the same capacity within yourself. All that said, I think we're going to wrap up the episode uh, pretty quick here. I just want to mention one more time the retreat. It's coming up. If you are sitting on the fence and you don't know whether you should buy a ticket, I'm going to venture out and say, buy a ticket. You're not going to regret it. It's a lot of fun. If you can't, that's okay too. There will be more retreats. But as I said in the last episode, this is going to be the only first retreat and it will be the longest retreat with the most bells and whistles out of all of it because we just threw in everything we could. It's a buffet of awesomeness. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to pass it back to Andrew and then we'll wrap up the episode. Yeah, no, I uh, I can't wait for that fucking retreat it's gonna be so much fun. <laughs> so much fun i feel like our group chats have been getting better and better in anticipation but yeah at the end of the day it's always just about letting go of every single moment every single experience every single thing that you think you are and in that letting go you gain clarity and you build faith in yourself and that clarity and, and faith in yourself reinforces every moment moving forward and your ability to let go of 
what's to come and that letting go reinforces the clarity and reinforces that faith in yourself. And it's an ever going process that's always happening that you don't really have to think about so much because it's, it's always there. It's just that, that letting go and in every moment of what you think you are and the way you think the world is, because what you think is never the truth. Yeah. Be a light unto yourself for you, because we're all you. And the more you're committed to it for your own reasons, the more we all benefit. Thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. It's been a lot of fun. We will see you again next week for episode 17 and community topics number 11 is coming up. Bye everyone.